You're listening to Danny and Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Mike Salk's in for Paul Gallant today. And I'm excited to, to have Mike. We're going to be talking to Jerry DePoto here coming up in just a, a minute or two. This Mariners season, in, in some ways, there's if you take a look at the big picture, there's a lot of really encouraging things. They, they've had a rash of injuries. They're hanging around and comp- competitive at two games under 500 now. They've come back a couple of times when it looked like this, this season was on the brink of having the bottom fall out of it. Like There's some toughness and some resilience. At the same time... When you watch a game, sometimes there's there, it's hard to get really pumped up. Justice Sheffield gets knocked around last night. Jake Fraley's been your best offensive player. J.P. Crawford's really good. J.P. Crawford's one of the bright, shining lights. Dude. How have you... What's your big-picture perspective on this it, Mariners It's season? very mixed, right? Because you're competing in some ways that don't necessarily reflect on your future, right? Kelnick went over 38, got sent down. Sheffield hasn't done much. Thankfully, Kyle Logan Gilbert. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Gilbert started to pick it back up, and, and the last two starts have been really encouraging. So I'm interested to hear what Jerry has to say about that. But before that, it was a little worrisome what you saw out of the shoot with Logan Gilbert. So some of those long-term guys, you're like, geez, like I'm not seeing that level of development. You know, guy like Terenz, who you were hoping maybe was going to take over your catcher spot. Evan White, like there were some of these – some. Pretty big disappointments. On the other hand, you mentioned J.P. Crawford. Bright spot's almost not even the right word for it. I'm in love with J.P. Crawford. I straight up love the guy. And watching him in person a couple of nights this week just just cemented it for me. You may appreciate this because I watched him. He had a really good game uh, to, on Monday night. And at some point, he popped up. Right, he, just, he missed a good pitch. He popped it up. And he was super mad. We were sitting really close. Heard him cursing, then heard a bunch of banging in the uh, in the uh, in the hallway in the dugout right after. It's like, oh, okay, he's legit mad. Later that inning, no more than like a minute or two later, they started rallying and ended up scoring a couple runs in that inning after his out. And he's the guy leading the whole cheering and right there. And it's just like, I love his energy. I love the way he plays. I love his passion. And oh, by the way, he's starting to hit like the prospect that he was. He's an he's the best story of the year right now for me. And an example of what you can find, I don't know if it's going to turn out to be there. It might be wishful thinking, but somebody like Jake Bowers, who kind of has some similar traits in terms of being a former top 100 type prospect. J.P. Crawford was a really highly regarded prospect. Huge prospect, yes. And he got up and he didn't hit. And they, for whatever reason, and it happens with teams, and they decided, we're, we're signing Bryce Harper, we're built to, we can't, we can't wait for a shortstop. We, they trade for Gene Segura. And the Mariners get Crawford, and they t- showed some patience with him in developing. That's that's how that's how you turn that's how you turn a franchise. He was supposed it's to not be an all bat guy. He's turned into a better glove than a bat. Like the glove was supposed to be the weakness. Isn't that wild? Yeah, because it was. And he's a Gold Glove fielder. He is as smooth. I love him in the field. Mm-hmm. I love him. He's good enough fielder that if he's an average hitter. He's he's in your lineup. He's a good enough fielder, and now it's looking like, by the way, that he might be better than that that average. Hitter. So what do you end up doing? Because this is the big off season for shortstops, right? You've got Trevor Story, Javier Baez, uh, Corey Seager, who's probably not coming here, but we'll throw his name out there. Carlos Correa, uh, Marcus Semien. I mean, like you are loaded with big time shortstops. Do you not go after one of them because you've got J.P. Crawford? Yeah. I think that's correct. Really? I think that you look at an extension. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the question. What about Jose Ramirez? Yeah. I mean, I love Jose Ramirez from Cleveland. Yeah. 
place. I love Jose Ramirez. Yeah, you could you could get Trevor Story and put him at third base. I mean, like there's a lot of options I think out there. So yeah, it'll it'll this offseason is gonna be great. I'm psyched yeah. for it. Jerry's gonna be very excited how we're talking about how we're gonna spend all all, all, yeah. all his money. I don't I don't I, I think that he might have a little something to say about that. But we get our weekly visit with Jerry Depoto, Mariners general manager. Jerry, first of all, as always, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, you got it, guys. Glad to join. And you guys getting back home, we were talking about J.P. Crawford. And if you could go back to when you acquired him, this has to be about the best case scenario of what you envisioned could happen with, with, with him developing with the Mariners after picking him up from the Phillies. Uh, you'd have to I'd say that. It's, it's what he's done really dating back to the start of last year is, you know, he's evolved into one of the real two-way shortstops in the game. And, you know, while the offense might not always be as gaudy as the big stars, you know, the Bogarts and the, the Correas and the Tatis, you know, it, it's rare to find an elite defender who is an above average offensive player. And, and JP is evolving into that. You know, he's, he's roughly carried a 340-ish on base, which is above league average for the last two years, which is now about 500 plate appearances. And, you know, his weighted runs created is above 100, and he leads all defenders at the position and defensive runs saved over that time, which is, you know, pretty significant when you can combine those two things. And, and when we acquired JP, if we would have thought for a moment we were getting a gold glove defender who was an above average offensive player for the next however many years, it's, a, it's, it's an exciting thing. And, and really, he's just opening the door to his prime. Uh, it's, and that's even more exciting. He sure seems like a pretty good leader, too. I mean, just watching him and, and the way he carries himself, the energy, the hustle. Did you know that that was part of the package? We didn't. And that, to be fair, that's something that continues to evolve. And, you know, JP, as as so many players through the course of the game, you know, he he comes into the league, he's learning as he goes, he's confident in his skills. But, you know, they, they walk into the water slowly, and and now you're starting to see his personality come out. And, and all the things you said, Mike, he is energetic. He is, he's a really good person, and he, he anchors our clubhouse in a lot of ways because of all the players we have. JP never lets it get going too fast and, and doesn't you – know, he, he operates slow, but he, he picks up his pace at, the, at game time. He controls what's happening on the field and, and generally carries that over through the clubhouse and the way he behaves in his relationships with the guys. He's, it's, he's a great guy in the clubhouse. And, and that is, those are, I guess, critical elements to being a leader on a club. Jerry, one of the big conversations in baseball this week has been over uh, the use of substances and pitchers, uh, what they what they might use to either enhance their grip or just provide a little bit of of control. I, I know that that's not a, a topic that you have much say on when it comes to what the league's league's discussions and their memos and, and instructions are on it. You're also a pitcher with a background. How do, how do you see the issue of of using of pitchers using something to to help them get a better grip or a better feel for the baseball? Well, you know, I, I agree with the notion that there's always been something going on. And that dates back, you know, a hundred years with various substances that have been applied, whether it was legal or illegal, you know, but for most of that time, we were talking about pretty benign stuff, you know, rosin and sweat, which are both legal things. And, you know, if it got more aggressive than that, it's you're, you're pressing the, the rules of, or the, you're, you're breaking the rules. <laughs> and, 
you know, it was always something that, that had that scarlet letter attached to it, even with the most famous offenders through the years. And you know, we've seen some egregious stuff, you know, thumbtacks and sandpaper and Vaseline. But what we're dealing with now is significantly different than that. And, you know, that's why I think the league had to step up and do something about it. And we're supportive of that, frankly. It has to, playing field has to be leveled. You know, we're watching the game change over these last couple of years. And, and it's, it's fairly evident that this has been a strong contributor to that. And as such, we have to make an adjustment as a league. And I think the players in general are, there's, there's going to be some division on it, obviously. And, you know, the timing isn't perfect, but I've never experienced any change in the way things would be policed or governed that could be viewed as perfect. <laughs> Someone is always going to have their, their feathers ruffled, but this is the right thing to do for the good of the game and, and for the, the competitive balance in the game. And it was necessary for everybody. Yeah, it would be nice not seeing like quite so many strikeouts. Like a few more balls in play wouldn't kill us as fans, I promise. Like I wouldn't mind seeing a few more hits. Um, a guy who's had a bunch of them and a bunch of walks is Jake Fraley. And, and in, in thinking about him, how, how do you balance potential with production? Right, He maybe isn't the guy of your outfielder group that has the highest ceiling in terms of scouting, et cetera, rankings. But... The production's been incredible. So how how do you balance those two things with with guys like him? Just let him keep playing, <laughs> and, and and you may find out. You know, like th- this is one of the unique opportunities you have as a rebuilding club with a lot of young talent. Is that you know, and I've said this through the last couple of years as as we've gone down this road. You're going to learn a lot about players, and and not every player is going to hit on the ceiling that you thought he had. And there are going to be a couple that show you they have more ceiling than they were given credit for. And I guess the one thing I would say with Jake is, you know, in 2019, when he played, you know, his what to the date has been the only full healthy season of his time with the Mariners, he, he destroyed double A and was threw up something in the neighborhood of a 900 OPS in triple A before struggling in his brief showing in the big leagues. So it, the skill set that he's showing now is actually a skill set that he has. And, you know, we're seeing it, you know, play itself out on the major league stage, which is, I I can't say any of us were expecting it when the season started, but this is roughly what Jake did in 2019, albeit with with an elevated walk rate. And, you know, how sustainable walking 30% of the time is, I'm not sure. (laughs) I I hope it's a, a sustainable thing, but he doesn't have to do that to be a good player. He's, you know, Jake has power. He has the, the ability to affect the game in different ways. And he does have patience in the box. We're just seeing it in a, in a really significant way right now. And I hope that's something that the other guys are watching because it's, it's really made our lineup so much longer and, and given Jake an opportunity to play and show all the other things he does so well. We're talking to Jerry DePoto, Mariners general manager here. And last question for me, Jerry, I, Trade markets haven't really opened. I I know that once they do, we're going to start hearing people talk about Mitch Haniger. I also know how much you guys like him. I thought it was worth kind of just asking from the big picture, where where you see Mitch fitting into the team long term for a rebuilding club with someone who's older? How how does he fit into your vision for the Mariners' future? I guess I really don't view Mitch as older. It's, mm-hmm. uh, and and per- perhaps that's because we've not watched. He's older by comparison to, to some of his teammates. <laughs> but mm-hmm. we're, the, we're the second youngest team in the league. And, 
And, uh, you know, Mitch at 31 years old is in the, right in the throes of, of his prime. And for those who spend any time around him, and I know you guys have spent some, there's, there are a few players that I've encountered that are more prepared, take care of their body better, or are built to sustain any better than, than Mitch is. So there's certainly a, a path that, that leads to Mitch being a part of what we do long term. But, you know, as we enter the, the trade deadline period, like we have every year that I've done this, we'll stay open to what the possibilities are and, you know, and, and make the best judgment we can make at a given time. But we see no reason to, to move Mitch. He's not only a part of what we do, I, he has been and was, frankly. It, he was missed greatly when he was gone. He's our best player <laughs> and has proven that again in, in 2021. So you know, we're, we're not in a rush to move him down the road. This is We are seeing what Mitch brings to the table and you know the consistency. When he's gone for, for a couple of days, you really feel the loss. So you know, I, I don't really look forward to a future without him. Let's figure out, you know, what we're doing when we get to that point uh, on the road. Yeah, it was great to see him back in the lineup. That looked like an ugly foul ball that he hit off of his knee. You guys have another year of player control um, after this. Would would an extension be something that's potentially on on, on the horizon or something the franchise is weighing? Uh, we're always, as you know, we're always open to to thoughts like that with Mitch or other players. It's a it's something we've used as in the past, whether it be with Marco, uh, whether it be with guys like Evan White. It's something that we have been aggressive with, even with some players who are no longer here. You know, we did an extension with Gene Segura. Uh, we're open to doing things like that. It's, and that has to be a marriage on both sides. So they, while I can say that that's something that we as a club consider for anybody, it, it's, a, it's a matter of the fit. The, the length and the cost is it's always what it's about for both sides. And, and we'll be open to considering that. And I'm sure Mitch will too. It's a, but it's a matter of if it makes sense for us at the time and what the other possibilities are. And we'll always stay open-minded to that. Hey, Jerry, just seeing Logan Gilbert's last start, which was by far his best so far. I mean, you know, I'll admit to some concern watching him the first few times out of the box and the fastball sure looked like it was getting hit. What what adjustments did he make and how much closer is this to the player that you expected uh, expected to see here long term? Well, what we saw last Sunday was the same Logan Gilbert we've watched since he was drafted. You know, and roughly the rest of his time in a Mariners uniform at any level has looked like it did on Sunday for the most part. And, you know, it's, it's funny you say, Mike, that, you know, there is an expectation, especially with heralded young players when they get to the big leagues, that the day they step on the field, they're going to be the guy that, that everybody forecasts. And it takes a little bit of time, you know, CJP Crawford. And it's, it's not that easy for everybody. And, you know, the fact that Logan was able to make the adjustments, you know, three starts into his, his major league career or thereabouts, I, I think is, well, it's reflective of, of how bright and prepared and, and talented he is, but it's, a, it's also something that's not common, you know, with, with players as they transition to the big leagues. It, it's, it takes a little bit of time, but they'll find their water. And, uh, you know, we've thrown a number of guys in the deep end of the pool and some of them swim a little quicker than others. Logan appears to be swimming quicker than some others. And, and that's a good thing for us. It's, uh, it, it gives us some stability. He has the ability to combine dynamic stuff. Uh, I think you saw on Sunday that in addition to a mid-upper 90s fastball at times, you get what we think is a, an exceptional changeup and two breaking balls that can miss bats. 
his first couple of starts were just it's a series of getting through confidence issues. You know, when you step into the league, you know you're good, but you have to you have to go out there and feel like you're that same guy that you were in Double A AA or Triple A. And and I think we're now seeing that with Logan, and he's taking control of it. And it's it's really it's fun to watch when you get in that cycle and you have what Logan did on Sunday and what you say Kikuchi has roughly done all year long and the stability that Chris Flexen brings. And and we know the others are talented enough that when they step up, our rotation can become a strength. You know, it hasn't been to this point, and it's been more inconsistent, but those guys are starting to, to turn a corner, and that's a positive thing. Yeah, there's really, really good signs there. Jerry, as always, we really appreciate your time. It's great to talk uh, the Mariners with you. Team one, two, or three, and we'll see as they continue this homestand some some really positive signs. Thanks so much, Jerry. All right, guys, talk to you next week.